Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Kira and I'm Em and I feel like this episode is probably quite high on your list of like most exciting episodes because I know that when this was a regular part of every single episode you always look forward to it so much whereas my favourite bit is always the weekly roundup but regardless for anyone that doesn't know or can't tell from the title this is our Agony Ant episode which is super exciting because we love agony ants. We love pretending like we know stuff and giving <laughs> we advice. Love pretending that we're wise. <laughs> giving advice on stuff that we have absolutely no place on giving advice for because we are not qualified. But you know what? This is fine. It's all fun. Um, but yeah, so that is what this episode is going to be all about. Instead of doing one agony ant at the end of every episode, we decided to pull them all together and really dive into the world of being an agony ant and do a full episode dedicated to all things agony ant and dilemmas, which is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Do you know what? You nailed that intro. You always panic and that was the first time. Do you know what? A one hit wonder. It really felt like it was a natural way to start the episode this time around. I had yeah. stuff to say and it was nice. It was nice to not have the heart palpitations. I just palpitations. felt like a real, a real wave of pride for you. <laughs> this is definitely, yeah, the Agony Ant column is definitely one of my favourite things about the podcast. But you know, I have come to love the weekly roundup as well. Like there's just something mm. about chatting and it feels like I'm chatting with a friend to lots of other friends by now at this point yeah it gives me the vibes of like when I used to come home from school and have a coffee with my mum and we are both so so chatty you talk about that so much it was just so comparing it to that what That was time to be alive one of my favorite things about my childhood I feel like that has made kitchens my favorite place in the house like aside from all the food that's where we'd sit down at the little table have a coffee have a chat oh, have some that. toast Tracy I hope you're I hope you're listening to this because that's quite the compliment it really is go Tracy um but anyway so <laughs> shall we kick off the episode as per usual with our high and low I think we're going to do a slightly smaller roundup this week just keep it quick with highs and yeah. lows and then move high, into all the low agony ant stuff okay so my high of the week <laughs> I'm it's like such a minute high. <laughs> like, it's such a trivial high. But when I say it, I think you're going to know why it's high. So mm-hmm. me and Kira went out for coffee. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? And I'm we were sat opposite each other. Suspicion, right? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. yeah. We were sat opposite each other and we both sneezed at the exact at the same, same time. time. Like... It kind of felt like, have you seen on TikTok the intuition, 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 <laughs> intuition challenge, you know, where you close your eyes and you try and clap at the same time as somebody else. Uh-huh. It felt like that, but unintentional and even better because you can't control sneezes. I know, like, obviously, you know, you have like contagious yawns, but we both just sneezed at the same time and it took a second for us to have realised that that was what had happened. It was a real shock like, and when, a real delight. <laughs> <laughs> when you sneeze, you close your eyes. So it was kind yeah. of like we opened our eyes and we're like whoa <laughs> so anyway if that's life changing of how my week is going that's my high i literally haven't left the house in like three days i am packing to move house which brings me on to my low of the week so okay <laughs> just to paint a picture for you every single night of my life in this house <laughs> at around the time i go to bed I listen out for the foxes in the garden. It's become like a pastime. A I am I am that girl. Like it's like brush teeth, take pill, look for foxes. <laughs> and so <laughs> there was one like 
in my garden mm-hmm. but I couldn't really see it just from looking out the window so I was hanging over the window nice. um looking at this fox which isn't the low although it really should be because I need to check <laughs> like myself about how weird that is um and so as I mentioned I've been packing boxes moving a lot of stuff around my room so I was hanging over the radiator looking at this fox then I moved away from the radiator and I see on the radiator Honestly, it was a spider the size of a squirrel. Like, it was massive. Dumb. And I'm not talking daddy long legs. I'm talking where the body is like a sultana. Stop. Can you actually stop? Because I can feel my stomach churning actually right and now. the worst part of that is that I was lent on the radiator. So, like, that's what caused it to come up. What, if it had gone down my top or something? Don't, like, I actually... It... No, no. <laughs> I'm being serious right now. I feel a bit gaggy. So, could you please stop? So, yeah. The low of my week is that. But actually could kind of be a high because there was no one around to save me and I caught that myself. Stop, honestly. I, I feel upset to think about it. You have spiders so often. I know, honestly. Fingers crossed your new place is, is a spider-free zone. So. I mean, the the moral of that story is don't hang out the uh, window looking at foxes and I think that probably should have occurred to me beforehand anyway. But if not, it now. definitely has now. <laughs> Wow. So that's my high and low. Very strange highs and lows because I have, as I say, not left my room and I'm surrounded by cardboard boxes. What about nice. you? High and low? Uh, well, a new low is the story that you just told because I actually feel like... It was I disgusting. Am, Jay didn't realise how scared of spiders I was, right, until he once cleaned out the rabbit's hutch um outside um back at our old house and he moved it forwards um and there was so many spiders on the back of it and he always finds it really funny to be like come here you got to see this you got to see this and like he literally tried to like push me towards it um, and it was huge so big it was horrible but he was like my body went like stiff i like the fear runs through my entire body it's like a physical response it's to disgusting it? like i honestly couldn't even sleep at the thought that maybe there was another one out there like no. i mean you have to kind of live with the fact that i'm sure there are spiders like that in every single room Stop. you don't really think about it until you see them sorry i'm making no. this worse and like <laughs> talk I, about your high quick <laughs> there's one more thing to add is that i don't know if i've mentioned on this podcast before but i am a sleep talker and I will often wake up and I'm dreaming about spiders. Like, I'll, I'll, I've jumped out of bed before because I've dreamt that there's a spider on the ceiling when it's just in my dream. Or I've also woke Jay up by hitting him because I have dreamt there's a spider on him. But there's not. So it's a deep-seated fear. I should probably maybe seek some should, help uh, for it. <laughs> maybe we should do an episode on dreams. Because that's funny. It probably is that deep-rooted fear because little unknown fact that you wouldn't know this because why would you know this? I have a really deep fear of choking, which obviously you know. I know this. Um, because of like traumatic events where I've like witnessed choking. And so when I dream, like I never noticed I did this until I started, like until I met Ben, because obviously then I'm like with someone in the middle of the mm-hmm. night. And I'll wake up in the middle of the night and sleep talk, and it'll always be along the lines of like, I've swallowed it, I've swallowed it. And it's and like, and like this is really gross, but one time I actually woke up and like spat into my hand because I think in my dream I was choking. Like that's yeah. how deep rooted. It really the fear gets must into be. your life. Like when you actually like wake up but you're still partially in the dream, like you think it was real. It's horrible. But anyway Dreams like infiltrate the worst it's like when you have a breakup and you don't think about them during a the day, but then your mind betrays you and you dream about them at night. Like, why do our minds do this? You don't really know, like, I'm not consciously thinking about spiders during the day, but clearly they're on my mind because it's in my dreams, yeah. so. 
Gross. How horrible. Um, but anyway, so my high, I've kind of got two highs. They both come into Yay. one experience, which was uh, dinner time last night. So... <laughs> <laughs> which was dinner time <laughs> and dinner time last night specifically um but it has been a re- reoccurring experience over the last few weeks um which has been watching Downton Abbey at dinner time me and Jay sitting down watching Downton together that was in my weekly roundup last last time but uh, this grandma time, and granddad <laughs> it's made it up to the high of the week and last night specifically I went to see my grandma after work then came home made myself some noodles for dinner and then watched Downton Abbey and had one of the vegan Kinder Bueno bars. So it's oh, from the um, nice. Love Raw brand and they have like a white chocolate Kinder Bueno but vegan and just sat down, watched that with a cup of tea, had Bliss. my Kinder Bueno. It was delightful, honestly. Truly. You romanticise your life. You do it. Do also, know- can we talk about how weird it was that I said grandma and granddad and then you said grandma? Oh yeah, that was really strange. I did. I went to go see my grandma um, last night, so that that's fun. Um, but yeah, it's the Kinder Bueno though. That's the real high of the week, along it's, with Downton. It's a spot. But the thing is, is that it is the most realistic vegan substitute that I've had, or vegan like replica, because other brands have brought out, you know, like vegan Galaxy, but it doesn't taste exactly like Galaxy. It's like its own specific thing, or like vegan cheese. You know, it doesn't taste really like cheese. It's just like a version. But those bars, they taste exactly like Kinder Bueno it's amazing so I really want to try one because obviously I regularly Kinder Buenos and like the texture it's just I want to do a taste point you really should like you will not be disappointed I don't really know why they're called love raw because they're definitely not raw but like I hate that phrase that phrase has given me chills like my spider story did to you I think it's like the association to like raw meat See, I just associate it with raw vegan and, like, raw vegan desserts, which is usually made out of a combination of, like, blended nuts and dates and things like that. So you get, like, raw vegan cheesecake, but it's really just, like, cashews on top of, like, oats and dates. So, like, I feel like that name doesn't really do justice to how good the bar is, but regardless, would recommend them. They're very, very delicious. Um, So that was my high of the week. My low of the week, a little bit arbitrary, but still... The last few weeks between me booking time off for like various annual leave plans and also the bank holiday, I've had quite a few four-day weeks in a row. Um, meanwhile, this week I'm back to a five-day work week, Ooh. which, you know, it is what I'm paid to do. But after you've had a few four-day weeks, it feels like a real, not just like, not just a struggle, but like an impossibility. It feels like just it's rude i'm like it's so rude <laughs> the audacity like but which country is it that's um it? trialing a four-day work week is it scotland oh, i made that scotland up. yeah yeah no, they are i, I mean there's definitely something in that i think a three-day weekend to fully reset and be more productive during the week i think there is something in that be interesting to know as well like would that then affect schools would they have to then jam-pack yeah. more stuff into the school week and all of that kind of stuff because I feel really bad for the kids if all the grown-ups had four-day weeks and they still had to go and obviously teachers then would have to have a yeah. five-day week but still I think there's definitely something in it that like you know you're more productive in like a more concentrated yeah. period of time but that is not the case right now I have got a five-day work week and I am sad about it yeah I think you should eat another um vegan kinder bueno to heal your pain do you know, I do have another one in the cupboard, so I may mm. well do that. <laughs> <laughs> so after that 
combination of spiders and kinder buenos. Ugh, I wish I hadn't said that together. Let's yeah, move on. Thank you. Um, <laughs> shall we move on to our bumper Agony Ant episode? Let's do it. Okay, so let's kick this off with one that really did make me laugh. So (laughs) we put a question sticker on Instagram and then we also directed people to the Agony Ant form. So we've got like a combination of areas that these came from. And the first one really made me laugh on Instagram and it says, how do you slide into someone's DMs? Which is something that like, I'm going to presume that this doesn't mean DMs on a dating app because then that's like your intention. I'm going to assume this means like if you... um, kind of see someone someone fancy someone yeah like you just go for it but I also think we could answer this if for example we do get a lot of questions about for example you messaging me the first time we met yeah that was my example wanting to be yeah (laughs) wanting to be friends with someone like how do you slide in oh my voice just went how do you slide into their dms so any advice for this one well yeah from like a marketing point of view you've got like a cold audience and then a warm audience and then like a hot audience based on like how much someone is engaged with your brand. So I feel like that applies as well and the approach that you take will kind of depend. So I slid into M's DMs, M's DMs, (laughs) that's a lot of M's, Um, um, back in like May or June 2019, throwback. Um, And we had already had like a few conversations, like we were, I'd never like not spoken to you before like we watched each other's videos we had spoken we knew we lived in the same area or at least the same city so you were a warm audience I knew who you were you knew who I was we liked each other and I was just like hey look just putting it out there doesn't matter if you say no I won't be offended but seeing as we're in the same city do you want to go for a coffee at Waterstones again no worries if not thanks bye yeah and it was just kind of (laughs) okay bye (laughs) Um, so obviously like we already had like an established rapport and I just gave it gave the option made my intentions known that I would want to be a friend but like also hashtag no pressure it's totally up to you whether you do or you don't and then we took it from there if you'd never spoken to someone before then I would probably like try and establish some common ground Um, yeah I was gonna say that you know like to get to the point where you then like ask them to take it further because obviously if we'd never spoken before and I was just like hey I live in Leeds you live in Leeds let's go for coffee you'd have been like who the hell is this I'd have been Um, like block (laughs) yeah block call the police restraining order um so yeah I think just play it by ear based on the circumstances and like yeah definitely approach them in a way that makes sense for how many conversations or communications you've had prior to that yeah and also like phrase it in a way that they know that they're not obligated to because Absolutely. I think the thing to remember is you're never obligated to anyone's time and so presenting it in a way that's just really friendly um in terms of like sliding into someone's dms in a dating way I'm not gonna lie that's never happened to me so <laughs> and I have never done that I've had it like where you've known someone say at university and then a couple of years later they get in contact but I feel like that's less I mean it is sliding into the dms but as you say if there's some common ground there you just chat about the common ground um and go from there the way people say sliding into dms it always seems to me as if like you've never spoke to someone before and then you're just approaching them to go on a date immediately i don't think yeah. that in many cases would go down very well because it's like no. but i'm why? not sure what what someone could say 
in that sense that I would respond to because all they must be basing that off of is your looks is which your looks, is yeah. not necessarily like the best grounds for pursuing a relationship but if it is the case of like oh I think we've got on really well or I've noticed that maybe we go to the same societies at university or we post yeah. about something or we've like maybe I don't know people still use Facebook groups maybe we're in the same Facebook group for a common interest there's loads of things that you could use to like get in touch with them and I think just think about it as if you were meeting someone in person you know try and make common ground appreciate that it may or may not go somewhere and like you said no obligation but yeah you know, I think like out there. definitely for me I'm always way more flattered if someone wants to connect with me in any way whether that be friends or romantically um based on like one of my interests or something more like conversational mm-hmm. rather than just the way I look like if someone was like oh I love your book recommendations let's talk about books and then something came from there or I love that you talk about writing. I also write and it spirals from there. Something like that, like, just always feels more natural to me than someone just being like, oh. Oh, you're fit. I, yeah. I mean, not that that happens to me either, <laughs> but, like, hypothetically, if it did, I promise it doesn't burn. I don't have, like, tons of people sliding into them DMs. But, yeah, I just thought that was a amusing agony ant question. So the next one, a little bit of a different kind of angle Mm -hmm. is how do you set yourself sustainable goals and I think we were trying to decode this question and I don't think this means like goals about how to be sustainable like use a plastic straw walk more like I don't don't use a plastic straw no I meant metal (laughs) (laughs) and that's why you shouldn't ask us about that question no being sustainable obviously very important and do set yourself (laughs) goals to be sustainable drink that oat milk get the bus instead of the car anyway In terms of that question, I think what they meant was, how do you set achievable goals? So, like, goals that will motivate you, but are in reach so that they are not demotivating. So, what do you think about that one? Okay, so I would basically look at the big picture and then break it down. So, depending on what your goal is, you know, is your goal that you want to be a lawyer, but you're at sixth form or something like that well obviously Mm -hmm. there's lots of sustainable things that you could do to take you along that process you know you might start with getting some work experience writing your personal statement trying to make sure that you do well enough in your a-levels then applying to the universities you want to go to continuing to get work experience and learn more about which area you want to go into researching about where you want to work applying for those jobs qualifying your exams boom, you've done it. And that's taken the space of like, what, five to six years, but you've established all of the different things that you need to do. And I think it's important to have your end goal in mind, but be very clear about how long realistically it will take you to get there and then make all of the little steps so that you don't just feel like you're chasing this unattainable goal and instead even though that goal might still be quite far away you're still ticking off like little wins along the way because I think not only does that make it easier to reach the goal but it also makes it easier to stay motivated because I think if you have a really big goal it can be hard to keep up that traction long term if it feels like the end goal is really far away whereas if you've got lots of things that you can say I've done that already I've done my A-levels I've gotten into university you know all of those little things add up to the big goal and it also keeps you motivated as well yeah I definitely agree with that like going step by step I think is always it sets it out in little things that you feel like you can achieve rather as just one thing at the end that feels impossible to reach. Um, I think when it comes to goals, they can be so, so helpful. It's always nice to set goals any time of the year at any point um, to kind of motivate yourself. But it does get to a point where it can be demotivating if you're just like, I want to be an astronaut. 
and no plan how to get there. Like, how are you ever <laughs> going to do that? Um, so my advice would definitely be that. And also, when I'm setting goals, I kind of like to adapt them so that they're phrased in a way that it's only things that I control. Mm-hmm. For example, like, if you wanted to get a new job, the actual getting of the new job like requires someone to hire you and that is out of your control you might Mm -hmm. do the best presentation the best interview you possibly could the best application but if there's other applicants that are better than you which you can't control you're not going to get the job and that can feel very demotivating so instead I'd try to phrase that as I'm going to try and do one job application every single week and that's something that you can very easily do yourself you can measure that and Mm -hmm. feel like you're achieving even if it takes do you know what I mean? Like, even if you don't get the job straight away, you feel like you are actively putting in that work. Yeah, or, for example, definitely. for example, um, the writing process, I want to get a book published. Breaking that down and rephrasing it into, I want to write the novel, which is something that you can do that probably would require a Quite few a steps time, underneath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once you've written it, um, I think the goal should be, I'm going to send, submit it to three places a month or whatever that goal is for you and those kind of things just so they're more measurable and they're down to you because there's nothing more annoying than putting so much effort into something and then you're not getting it because it's out of your control but then you're beating yourself up about it and you shouldn't because it's out of your control yeah definitely I like that because I think when it comes to big goals like attitude towards them is a big thing in terms of like helping you along the way keeping up that motivation and also not being hard on yourself when it isn't something that you have the capacity to change so yeah I definitely agree with that yeah absolutely um I think it's all about setting goals that are going to motivate you but not put you off and feel like make you feel bad about yourself because goals Mm -hmm aren't ever meant to make you feel negatively about yourself they're only meant to you know give you direction in a positive way so I thought that was a really good question even if it did start going on about plastic straws (laughs) (laughs) the next one is really interesting and I'm surprised that we haven't had this question before because I think it's probably something that we like most of us encounter and it the question was kind of phrased I'm paraphrasing this because it was quite a long question explaining Mm -hmm. what career they go into and what job they have but this as a general question is kind of I'm struggling to connect with colleagues at my new job um how would you suggest that I reach out to them and start making friends at work so I don't know if you want to should I go first you go first um you go first I feel like you've um met more colleagues like recently obviously you started a job during a lockdown so like you didn't know any of your colleagues face to face whereas I knew most of my colleagues previously so I feel like that connection thing definitely is more of a an issue now with work from home so I'd be interested to hear your take yeah I think definitely working from home makes it so difficult to connect with colleagues um and I really don't have anything to I can't really say that to be honest because I don't have anything to compare it to like my first proper like in marketing that kind of career that I wanted to Mm -hmm. go into was working from home obviously I've done it in a more customer service environment which was much easier because I think it's more of like a say if you work in a restaurant you're all working together to get the job done like yeah you're all communicating with each other in I think probably a more like constant way whereas when the builder vibes working together to get the job done (laughs) can we fix it yes we oh the tangents um what was i saying oh yeah so customer service like is a little (laughs) no we always love a bob the builder segment even though that's never happened before (laughs) it's a regular occurrence let us know if you want it to be regular (laughs) um so yeah like working from home in kind of that in marketing for me 
it is really hard to connect with people through a screen. So Mm -hmm. the first thing I would say is I think people are more likely, at least in my experiences, to want to be friends with you and connect with you if you're like good at communicating in your job role, if that makes sense. So like if someone is only bothered about making friends but doesn't really put in the work they need to, don't communicate with their team, don't pull their weight, maybe take on other tasks from other people if they need it, if they need support you know, you're less likely to make lasting friends at work. But if you go into the job, do your best, communicate with your colleagues, build those relations in work, it's going to be easier to make those connections out of work. I know that my team that I was with, everyone was communicated so well with each other. And it was like this network of really supported, supported, supportive and supported, I guess, as a result mm-hmm. of that, and talented people. And because there was such a good communication network within the team, like outside of the team, things just naturally occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, so like from that, I think it's always flattering to know that someone wants to be your friend. Like even if you are, you know, if even if you go into work with just the mindset of I'm going to do my job, I'm going to leave. It's always yeah. flattering to know that someone wants to spend time with you or wants to chat to you. Um, yeah. So I don't think there's ever any harm if we're talking about over a screen working from home and saying, and actually outside, like if you're in an office, do you want to get a coffee on our lunch break? Or even like if you do a commute, are you walking that way to the train? Let's walk together. Like start with little things. Don't be like, do you want to go on a staycation together? Like, <laughs> let's start like first small day in with the these work. Yeah. Anyone want to go for a meal with me first day? Like, start off small. Like, do you want to go for a coffee? Shall we walk together to our next meeting? Do you want to like? Do you know like little things? Yeah. Um, and kind of test the waters and see if you do get on with them outside of work. And things kind of, I found that they naturally blossom like mm-hmm. as a result of a good working relationship and those little steps and just letting someone know that you are open to a like colleague friendship and you would like to get to know them because I think it's always nice when someone wants to be friends with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say like a good way to kind of start establishing those things if you are in like lockdown circumstances and working from home, like if you have a team catch up or like a team meeting, maybe like joining the meeting a couple of minutes early, see if anyone else is oh, there, that's a good one. have a quick chat, like, you know, just the general things that you'd talk about if you were in the office with someone, you know, how's your day been? Have you got any plans for the weekend? If it's the end of the week, you know, that kind of thing. Just start to get to know people outside of the oh, how are we on this project and can you do this for me and I'm going to need to meet you up with you for this and all of that kind of like functional stuff and sort of have the balance there where it kind of shows that you are interested in them outside of that context. And depending on what the workplace is like, if you are in the office, if they don't really have like a system in place for like work socials, it could be something that you like bring forward to the table because other people might be interested in it as well, whether that's like a weekly Thing where you all go out for a drink on a Friday night or like a more big like monthly or mm-hmm. quarterly situation where you go out for like a meal and make a thing of it and it will be something for people to look forward to and I'm sure if that idea isn't already in place then you know people will be thankful for you bringing it to the table and if it is already in place then just make sure that you say yes to all of the opportunities that come your way if you are focused on making friends um what I will say though is that like that's not the primary function of like a job and you don't know who you're going to be working with and like no offense to any colleagues or anything but like you don't necessarily know like they may not be people who you would have common ground with aside from working on this at the same company so like there is a chance that you 
just might not be the sort of people who would make great friends with each other and that doesn't mean that you can't be great colleagues but also don't be disheartened because you can make friends in lots of other ways um, and I'm sure there are people in your office that you would get on with and be friends with but it's not like a granted or given thing like it would be in school and I think if it's just the case that it just doesn't happen then just accept that you can just enjoy work as much as you can if that's something that you're really really bothered about then it might be worth looking into a different company where there's maybe a bit more of a like community culture something like that but at the end of the day that it may not happen but I think in most cases if you give it time you will make friendships just naturally from spending time with people a lot because that's how friendships work yeah I definitely agree with that like friendships aren't a given in the work work atmosphere. I think a lot of people do go into work with kind of the mindset of they've got their family and friends. This is just like their day job. And so don't be offended if people aren't forthcoming. It's I don't think that's always a reflection of you. I think it's yeah. just some people like to go in, get the job done <laughs> again, <laughs> <laughs> and then leave. And like, that's their prerogative. But be patient. Like, the nature, as Kira just said, of spending that much time with people means that slowly but surely over time you will grow familiar with those people you'll drop into conversation like what you're doing at the weekend if you move in house if you're going on holiday like and that familiarity over time will kind of breed friendship um mm-hmm. naturally but if it doesn't like just be patient or don't take it to heart because you know it is a workplace at the end of the day yeah definitely Okay, so next question is one that we got actually twice and like variations of this one. And I think it's a really important one and I think a lot of students will be feeling this way. So I thought we could answer this one and it says, um, I'm a second year and I'm going to, and then they put what university they're going to, but I'll just leave that out because this could apply to anyone. And they said, I'm really worried about like my mental health and wellbeing going into second year because first year was such a shambles. Like obviously people couldn't really leave their room. They couldn't have visitors events were cancelled they didn't have in-person lectures and so this person is just worried about going back and I think a lot of people will be in this position and they're worried about their well-being and kind of how they're going to feel emotionally entering a new year at university and kind of being apprehensive so any advice um I think Anytime we get a question about someone feeling anxious or nervous or worried about something, we always kind of preface it by saying that those feelings are completely valid and you should honour those feelings because chances are you're feeling them for a reason. In this example, it's because you have good reason to because you're anxious based on the experience that you had last academic year. So appreciate that you did have a terrible academic year it wasn't good they weren't prepared they treated students really poorly and it was just an absolute shambles so acknowledge that and think you know that wasn't my fault I couldn't do anything about that and I'm coming back but I am open to having a better experience this time around because I do think mindset is so important so acknowledge the feelings that you're having and the experience that you did have but try not to allow that to immediately put a negative view on what is upcoming because there's no way to know what that will be like and at least try and be optimistic. I would say my understanding is that they're better prepared this year both in terms of the fact that you know compared to the beginning of last academic year you know a vast majority of students are now vaccinated which will make a big difference to them willingly putting people on in-person lectures it's also easier to get tested now with the lateral flow tests and stuff like that so I think they are really pushing for in-person experiences as opposed to all virtual like last year and I think just 
in and of itself that will make a big difference um I would say try and give yourself like a support network if you have other students that you met last year you know whether they were people you lived with or people on your course you know try and keep in touch with people avoid allowing yourself to fall into isolation whether that be you know physically or emotionally um, and just you know keep in touch with people who care about you and just let them know how you're feeling because the best way to avoid your anxiety getting out of control is to address it as and when each worry comes up rather than allowing them to build and you know catastrophize yeah definitely um a lot of the things you just said well all of them I completely <laughs> agree with if you're feeling apprehensive it's because you have good reason to like covid has left its mark on everyone and it's very natural that that will then influence the way you feel about upcoming events and the future because it's always a worry that this is gonna happen again like you've just experienced kind of a traumatic event the past couple of years and so it's natural that that's going to influence the way you think and feel about the future especially with going into second year where the experience is probably like almost identical in the way it begins and then you know you don't know what's to come but as Kira said like just make sure you have that support network let people know how you're feeling and also I think when you get to campus like and you start to meet people like talk about it because Mm -hmm. everyone's been through the same thing open up that conversation like talk about the fact that it was a really difficult year and you are worried about the year to come and opening up that conversation will create a new support network and I think everyone will be feeling that way and you can all lean on each other I do think universities this year because the rules have been like massively eased um are there any rules anymore like I don't really what's the rule situation um oh I think there's gonna be new rules in regards to like the vaccine passports which obviously will affect students in terms of their bringing them in to prevent people from going into like clubs and bars if they've not been double jabbed right right, right. but i don't think there's any more social distancing rules i think mask rules are like down to each individual location so you know but i don't think that like compared to this time last year there's a massively less to worry about um i think it's definitely more under control um, in terms yeah, of like think, uh, everyone is more on the same page. Whereas I think this time last year, people were still like, no idea what's going on, freaking out. Um, yeah. I so. think things are more going to be open and like head to your student unions. I'm sure like cafes, bars, um, just things like where you can meet new people and also go with the people that you've met. I know that last year it was probably a situation of you've made friends in your flat and you're all stuck there together and you can't actually go and do anything. But make take advantage of the fact that you can go for a coffee. Take it all at your own pace. Obviously, a lot of people will feel overwhelmed going back to university. Um, take it at your own pace. Make kind of use of the stuff that is open, the stuff that is on, make sure you check it all out. And it's really difficult one because I can completely understand this viewpoint and I would be feeling exactly the same. But remember that you can create a support network with the people you meet. You definitely will already have one with either friends or family or colleagues, whatever it is. Um, And just lean on people and be open about how you're feeling and always remember to check in with yourself um, and validate your feelings because as we've said, very, very understandable and you will not be alone in this. I think often with mental health, um, the worst part is feeling like you're the only one that feels that way. But I think a lot of people would be going into this university year feeling the same. So take comfort in that um, and lean on the people around you because I'm sure everybody will feel the same and want to lean on you. So that is that question. Probably a tricky one to answer, but I thought it was important to flag up because 
I think just mentioning it on this podcast might make people realise that everyone's feeling the same way. So that one did come up a couple of times. Okay, so I thought that we could answer one more that we got sent in and then classically we could answer a Dolly question, which if you don't know is from the Dolly Alderton Sunday Times Agony Ant column and we love her column and we like to take have a go at some of her agony out questions that she gets sent in and there's quite a good one this week that we've never talked about before so i will just choose one more question that we got sent in which says where did you two find your current jobs and how did you get the experience needed to go into marketing do you want to go first okay so technically my current job i found because i already worked at the company um (laughs) the place i work at Right now is a business that has attractions all across the UK um, and there's a central team in York. So I started out working at one of the attractions in Leeds and then they were advertising for a central role, which was a step up from the role that I was currently doing in terms of salary. Um, And so I applied for it and I got it. Boom. There we go. Boom. Um, She did it. So in terms of getting experience, I would say when it came to getting my first marketing job, at the dreaded radiator company um <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh every time uh, it makes me laugh now in hindsight but at the time not so funny but um that was just based off of the fact that i had done some marketing work experience i had um which i got through um through my mum she works at a school they have a marketing officer at the school i did a little bit of work experience with her shout out to lindsay thanks lindsay um <laughs> great help Um, in getting me started because I do think having some tangible experience is really helpful I didn't do a huge amount with her it was just like a few days across like a few weeks but it just gives you things to put on your CV that you've actually done or that you've shadowed someone doing and that you understand the function of a marketing person in a business so that can be really helpful and you know chances are there's a marketing person at most companies so wherever your parents work or your aunties and uncles or other people in your family one of them will likely be able to get you know marketing is everywhere not necessarily the marketing that you really want to be doing but that's not super important at this point especially in work experience terms it's just about getting some experience down especially because graduate schemes are so oversubscribed if you're not coming from having a marketing degree which neither of us do you do need to demonstrate that you have an understanding of the industry and you know the functions especially the growing focus on digital marketing so that's important and then I also made use of having a YouTube channel and having a blog which again was like I demonstrated an interest in marketing and an understanding of how to do it on like obviously quite a small scale at that point but that I was committed to learning more about it so those are some of the things that I would do um I feel like now like if you wanted to go to like social media marketing having like a social media presence like blogging yeah. not so much of a big thing anymore but like if you've got a TikTok and you're obviously showing that you are able to keep on top of trends that you're on top of learning new skills like video editing and you're aware of the fact that different platforms require different types of content for different audiences that's all great stuff that just demonstrates an understanding of what marketing is which obviously can be developed into a real skill set but if you're going for just an entry-level role you just want to show the potential that you've got basically 
Yeah, I completely agree. I, as I mentioned last week, I have very recently started a new job. My new job is a social media content coordinator. So that's what I'm doing now. And then in my previous job, so my first marketing job was a marketing assistant. Um, and so when I was applying for marketing roles, it really did feel like I was never going to get one. I remember applying <laughs> to so, so many um, because you, it's, they all ask for experience, even if it's an entry level role and you can't get experience when you need experience to get the experience and it feels like yeah. a cycle that you'll never break out of in terms of where i found the jobs both times it for me it's been indeed but i know that linkedin have a job place and i also actually have seen a lot of accounts like on instagram i think there's like is there one called girls in marketing i might have made that up but there's yeah. a few like that and there's one another one um if you type in marketing on like instagram and every week they do like a multiple swipe across post of all the jobs that you might want to apply for that week so that's another way to find new jobs that you can apply for um indeed is where i found both of mine though you've uh, just so. reminded me that like as well as indeed which i think is very much littered with recruitment agencies which makes it really yeah. hard to know where you're actually going to be working there are lots of platforms for like for example there's one called charity jobs where oh it's forgot about that i love charity jobs yeah oh i found one like not too long ago that i came across that was called like well to do careers which is all about like um it's a similar type of job site but it's all for like wellness industries so like like oh, cool. yoga focus gyms all that kind of stuff and there are um jay is interested in finding a new job in environment and we're always looking on one called countryside jobs um and they still have you know roles that cover a variety of different you know functions marketing usually included but it is if you have a specific area that you want to work in those types of sites can help me to narrow it down a little bit more yeah definitely that's a good point obviously you've got linkedin and indeed for kind of the more it offers you every job under yeah. the sun but then there are very specific places on the internet to find jobs in particular industries um, and as i said instagram accounts facebook groups as well i remember when i was trying to find a job in publishing when i considered moving to london and doing that obviously i didn't i live in york and i work in marketing um but i did consider that and i was part of a group then which was like all of the jobs for that week got posted in and people were discussing the applications and stuff like that so definitely search for online communities which might offer those as well and in terms of what to do about the experience thing because it is quite the conundrum um i was the same as kira and i used my youtube channel i'd had a blog back in the day i'd worked for the student newspaper um i obviously had a book come out so i did a lot of marketing on my own instagram for that so i talked about those kind of things and whilst i was job hunting and i literally at that point couldn't get any kind of job I took on an unpaid internship so I know obviously those are quite controversial because mm -hmm. it, you are putting in hours and you aren't getting paid for it but in the kind of context that I did it the company was more of like a platform and they just couldn't pay but they were you know offering it for people to maybe do a few hours a week on the side of their job to get experience yeah. and those people would provide them with a reference and you just couldn't be paid and I'm sure if they were able to they would have done um, and that was absolutely like I'm not sure I would have got my first job without doing that internship I did it for a few months a couple of hours a week um, and yeah. just in the evenings and it was invaluable because you get a reference from somebody which is obviously always important you learn loads of new skills you can talk about them in interviews you can talk about them in applications and things like that can be phrased as like you know even if it is unpaid they you don't have to mention that in your application like i mean it literally doesn't matter to your employer whether you even pay for something or not it only matters what you've learned what you've done yeah what exactly you can demonstrate. So, so yeah 
if you're in the position to take on a couple of hours a week, like helping out maybe a social media account or um, a charity. I noticed uh, when I was looking for jobs that there was a couple of charities that were looking for a social media intern because they didn't really have any sort of social media presence and they mm-hmm. wanted someone to maybe offer a couple of hours voluntary work a week. So look for kind of those opportunities. But outside of that, if you don't have the time, look at what you can do for your own channels, own content creation, because those are skills. I mean, every time I implement something new in social media in my actual like paid jobs, it's because of something I learn in my own content creation in my own time. So it's so valuable and just make the most of what is available to you because anyone can use social media platforms. Anyone can do marketing, even if it's not like their yeah. paid job yet. So make the most of what's available to you, even though that experience cycle is a nightmare and I really feel for you right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough, but you will get there, so chin up. (laughs) Definitely, everyone will get there in the end. So the final question is one from Dolly Alderton's Sunday... I just said Dolly, wait. Dolly Alderton's Sunday (laughs) Times column called Dear Dolly. And so this one this week, or I'm not sure when it got posted, but it's here now. And it says, can you really be friends with an ex? I came out of a seven-year relationship last year and he was the best friend I ever had. We are now, we are each now in new relationships and are trying hard to remain friends. We see each other once a week, but I'm worried that as our respective relationships become more serious, we'll lose each other. It feels very painful not being the most important person in his life anymore, a dynamic that intensifies as his new relationship progresses. Do I let him go now and cut him out so until it until it is less fresh. I don't understand that. Do I let him go now and cut him out? Uh, or is it possible for us to remain in each other's lives in any sort of meaningful way? So this one, I feel like is such an interesting one because God, I am not friends with any of my exes personally. Brutal. Yeah, I think um, it's, I, you saw, like, I feel like you could hear me wince at that one when she said, or I presume, I don't know who it is that's asking this question, when the person that was asking this question said, we see each other once a week, even though they're both in new relationships, that's, that's Yeah, bold. so here's the thing, is that, are you really, like, over it? Cause over I think them. you're holding on to a relationship and also like you're probably like a bit codependent having been in a relationship yeah, that's for that very many true, years actually. you know like you are kind of like functioning as like a unit and you know you do rely on the person that you're in a relationship with for like lots of different things and it's kind of like you know I've never cut out a family member thankfully but like I imagine it would be kind of similar where like you assume that someone is like a given you know like a parent or a sibling they're like meant to be like a constant and you wouldn't just suddenly like break up with them and you don't see them anymore so it's really really odd and I do think that if you are confident that that is not a relationship that's gonna work and that you're not gonna go back to it then sad as it may be cutting out is probably the best thing for both of you and your like future relationships and just like mental health because I think you're trapping yourself in a past and like in a what could have been by like holding on to that relationship I don't think it's probably that beneficial to either of you a hundred percent and especially since they said that it's painful to see them with someone else like if you're over someone and like it does take a long time to get over a relationship but when you are over them you almost don't feel anything at all or you feel happiness for them when they've found something else so if you're still in a stage where it feels painful to see them with someone else which after such a long relationship with them like it's going to then I don't think that you've probably had the time and space that you need to heal and like friendships don't just need like you I have a lot of friendships where I won't see them even for like a year 
and this yeah. I'm still their friend like I this person's seeing them every single week like a friendship doesn't always need that constant connection constant chat constant seeing them you might just need time and say to them like we need to be out of each other's lives it doesn't mean I feel badly about you it doesn't mean that I resent you I just need time and I think you need time for us both to heal and if we're friends in the long run like that's great but right now um and also out of respect to our partners whilst we're like following new paths with new people it's also respectful to them to kind of focus on that and have that as the main focus because once a week is a lot and I don't think it gives gives you the space that you need to heal your mind your heart your body your soul (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so long story short can you be friends with an ex definitely yes um but should you be that's very dependent on your situation and you know like like um thank you but in the context of dolly i realized that i can't be friends with her she is now an ex agony aunt to me because of what she said about gemini's so in that instance oh yeah i did see that you shared it with me (laughs) i've seen it oh yes i did (laughs) (laughs) i've seen a lot of anti-gemini content on the internet i'm sick of it i'm sick of it we are lovely people um (laughs) the tone of voice that was very gemini (laughs) thank you um but no for real though i just feel like who are you dolly what star sign are you irrelevant that's what it is i don't know if this is like a case of like bad press is better than no press but that's how i feel about the gemini at least people talk about us so yeah i mean you don't hear much about some of the star signs in fact i don't even know when some of the star signs are in the year but I aquarius tell you what, sagittarius who are you guys who knows like <laughs> but gemini and scorpio and aries i think gets some press um i know oh, yeah. who you all are yeah well and me i'm an aries yeah and jay he's scorpio it always comes back to us re-identifying. The dream team. <laughs> re-identifying our own horoscopes. But yeah, to conclude on that question, everyone can be. It is possible to be friends with an ex, but as Kira said, should you be? Is it respectful to everyone else involved? Have you given yourself the time to heal? Because I do think that when it comes to breakups, like if you haven't given yourself enough time to get over it, like you're just it doesn't mean it just delays the the process yeah Yeah, like it just hurts for longer um so yeah i think time to heal is always a good thing so thanks dolly for another question yep i mean not that she's listening (laughs) i hope she's not after what i just said about her (laughs) i take it back dolly since kira just cancelled her (laughs) all i'm saying is if you're gonna talk about star signs don't be so unfair to one of us but that's fine i mean that's not just dolly though i feel like that's like societal prejudice yeah so i couldn't think of the word there like the societal consensus is that gemini's are bad eggs (laughs) i can confirm i'm an excellent egg (laughs) (laughs) and on that note (laughs) on that note let's conclude this episode of wisdom which probably shouldn't be trusted but is fun to give (laughs) absolutely do you know I, I think this has been a lot of fun because we've had so much content but we've not really had to think of anything ourselves you know you guys have given us the ideas you were the mm-hmm. seeds and we were just like the the water to help it grow so i love that for us what a great combination <laughs> where is all of this like inspired eloquence coming from i don't know it's 6 p.m who knows what's going on in my head it's nearly no time because <laughs> i don't know about you but my brain is actually fried so i'm surprised that i could think of any advice to give <laughs> i know we must be that wise Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna sign off now. Let's sign off. I've got a pret 
what is it the dark Stop chocolate it. almond and sea salt cookie to eat right now yeah, and i just want to get to it guess what yeah. i don't <laughs> gemini energy <laughs> Okay. okay thanks we'll see you guys. in see the you next, next episode time. okay that was really chaotic <laughs> bye guys bye <laughs>